Thank you. It is, uh, it's fun to be here. I can't help but remember um, standing here, uh, it got to be 12 years ago, and I preached here, and I, um, I closed the message, and I remember stepping down thinking, that was the worst message I've ever heard. <laughs> so would you please allow me to redeem that experience? <laughs> Uh, this morning. Um, before I start, I, I want to, uh, Twin Lakes Bible Camp is a very special place. We've been there now 14 years. Um, it's, the time has gone by so quickly. Um, but we got, a, we got a big thing going on. So uh, our strategic planning process with our board has kind of led us to some facility improvements over the years. Um, in 2016, we started looking at, well, what's the next thing? Um, and we wanted to address our dining hall uh, situation. We best describe our dining hall experience how many of you campers? Uh, stand up if you're a Twin Lakes camper. We should have done this before kids' church, right? But uh, Twin Lakes campers, the best way we can describe our dining experience uh, currently is, is chaos. I, I don't know. How, and we can do, so what we said, thank you. So what we decided is we could do better than that. Um, we want to create an opportunity to, to sit around the table and to have our, our counselors actually connecting with, with campers. And so as we started designing a space, um, we nicknamed it the gathering place because we're going to gather there for meals. It's a walkout basement. We're also going to gather for worship. And, and we're going to gather um, to, uh, for, in times of storm, it's actually a, the lower level is a, a storm shelter that will about 4,000 square foot storm shelter. Uh, and uh, so we're excited about that as part of our chapel, um, gathering for, for just connecting. There's lots of spaces in this building that are designed for that. So that's what we've nicknamed it. It's, uh, um, it's going up. How many of you have driven past? Okay, I, I notice you because I live across the street. So when you drive in, I'm watching, um, and there's a donation box out there on the thing. So a lot of times people ask me, you know, what's... What's the next step? Or, you know, what, what can we do to help? Um, Tyler, what's that next slide? Oh, that's a little picture of the inside. P probably will look like that. That's artist rendering, right? But it uh, um, will be done by spring, um, Lord willing. But the question that people ask me is, Scott, what can I do to help? Um, so it's a $2.5 million project. But here's the good news, and I haven't told very many people this. Um, we're actually at $2.3 million raised to date towards it to Okay, that's a good response, but just pretend like I Right? I'm from Minnesota, it was kind of kind of excited, I don't know. Um, win either way, I guess, is the way that game went for me. Um, so when it comes to money, you know, I, we planned this as a three-year uh, uh, fundraising campaign, um, 2018, 19, and 2020, and we're 90% raised at the end of 2019 with a realistic expectation that we could finish that fundraising this year. So it's just um, incredible. It is. Um, I met with a couple of uh, people that are been kind of coaching me on, on donor development kind of stuff. I never expected to be this far this fast. And they're like, well, then just go further faster. So what's, <laughs> what's your problem? You know? um, and I'm like, that's awesome, because we can begin to, to do some things with uh, adding necessary staff, um, enhancing some programs, get to, the, get to the things that we've had on our wish list for three to five years from now. 
um, updating our mini golf course and putting up the zip lines uh, again and, and developing a high ropes course, a mini farm uh, project. Um, lots of things kind of on the three to five year plan and now we can move forward faster. So we're excited about that. Uh, as, I, as I started preparing, the, so that's the background. As I started preparing the message, um, my first title for this message was Who, Me? And then, and then I went to, um, let's, this is time of year, farmers are thinking about one thing. What are they thinking about? Yeah, what have we been singing about? The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, right? So, so my, my help wanted, help wanted for harvest. How many farmers here are like, I get it, right? I need, I could use, I could use some extra help. Raise your hand. Help wanted for harvest, right? Maybe you're past that, but you're like, yeah, I get that. Okay, so do you want, do you want 50 people have no real skills or knowledge showing up to help you? Really, what do you want? Like three or four guys that really know what they're doing, right? I'm gonna call that, I'm gonna change the title for my message this morning to The Vital Few. That's what we're looking for, really, is the vital few. I don't, I don't need massive numbers, but I need some committed, competent, willing, what can I do next? That's what I'm looking for when I'm hiring extra help for the harvest. All right, I'll ask for one more show of hands. I, I'm kind of a math nerd a little bit. I tried to pass it on to my children. Alex didn't, didn't get it. It was not genetic. It was not... Blake really didn't kind of, Emma, thank you. <laughs> so multiplication is a fun thing, right? Like uh, multiplication tricks especially. I love when we can multiply. It just moves forward faster, right? Multiplying. Like if you're going to multiply by 10, what's the obvious trick? Everybody knows this one. Add a zero, right? If you're going to multiply 11, you have a two-digit number, you're going to multiply by 11. Does anybody know this trick? You take the first number... They add the two for the middle number, and then the last number is the last number. Like, let's say uh, 45 times 11 would be 4, 9, 5. You can take out your calculator for, if you want to, right? And if you, have, if you get over 10 on your addition, then you just carry the 1 and leave, leave it. It works. It's a, it's a great little trick for multiplying by 11. How about 9? You know how to multiply? You got it, yeah. Hold up your hands. Hold up your hands. It figures. Okay, so if I'm going to multiply any single-digit number by 9, right, I'm going to multiply 9 times 4, right? So I'll go number off 1, 2, 3, 4, put the 4 down, and I have 3 on this side, 6 on this side. 36. I'm going to multiply by 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Put 7 down, and I have 63. Isn't that cool? Okay, you can, if you know, if you listen to nothing else today, you got that trick. I got one more. What if you multiplied 1 times 12? Does anybody know the answer to that? That's right, 2.2 billion. Because the one I'm talking about is Jesus, and the 12 I'm talking about is his disciples. And according to the 2010 census, 2.2 billion people claim to be Christians. Now we know that that number might be inflated a little bit, because Christian doesn't necessarily mean Christ follower. But still, it's a massive number compared with Jesus and a few of his helpers. The camp has, has uh, put together a new vision statement 
Oh, it is help wanted for harvest. Our mission is to glorify God. We want to utilize our facility. We want to utilize our gifted staff. Notice the very important adjective there. Um, providing opportunities for Christ-centered spiritual transformation. Our ultimate goal, and this has been for 64 years, we want, we want campers to come and experience Jesus in a powerful way. And so our vision, as we look at what do we want our facility and our programs and our staff, what do, what do we want to see happen, the vision, is um, I want campers to experience Jesus in such a powerful way that they become disciple-makers. I want disciples who think about making disciples. Jordan Howell, thank you for your great setup. I almost feel like the sermon is kind of like Jordan Howell in Sunday school with a jab, and now I get to come in and just be like, boom. Because what, what, it was so exciting to hear Jordan talk about the kids that he's investing in as if he's not a kid, right? But, but the kids that you've invested in now looking to, to invest in another kid. You know, it's like grandchildren, in the faith. And you just see that excitement. It's like, that is so cool. You not only figured it out, you not, not only understood what it's like to follow Jesus and the incredible richness that that brings in your life, you're going to tell people about it. You know, and it's just, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's what I want every camper that comes to Twin Lakes to experience is that it's such a powerful impact that they can't help but just take it. They have to take it let it root and grow and spill out all over the place. So what does a disciple look like? I have Some of my staff are here. And um, Brett, I think you have the first verse. And Angie and Mark, um, come on up here with me. You can grab one of these microphones. We're going to look at what does a disciple look like. Actually, I think I gave you... Oh, you're going to have to stay up here for a second. Yeah, you're going to have to stay up here for a second. Um, because I have a... Uh, what does a disciple look like? A disciple looks like um, they have assurance of their salvation. This isn't one of yours, right? No, I don't think so. I think I have, I think I have these. Um, no, I don't. But anyway, um, they have assurance of their salvation um, that, that they may know... I, yeah, I have this one. You have that one? Yeah, read it. I don't remember which ones I gave you guys. But as they're, as they're coming up here, so these guys are my staff. Brett's brand new to the area. Mark, brand new to the area. Angie, not brand new to the area. Something else brought her to the area. <laughs> Home church. And, and, but for me and, and for um, my staff and John and Bree back aren't, aren't here, but also uh, regular attenders here, how awesome it is that... that uh, this church has invested in us, um, and we love you guys. So I, I, know, I know our journey, when, when we first started coming here 14 years ago, we'd been to lots of different churches, but a few people here said, hey, you don't know anybody, but you belong here. You know, it was just, it was welcoming. It was, it was warm. And I think many of you have felt that same way. You know, I wasn't born here. I wasn't raised here. I'm not related to anybody here. Um, but this is my church family. So, and I'm so thankful that many that I've brought to the Twin Lakes to employ um, have also found a, a home here. Um, so anyway, what does a disciple look like? First John 5.13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
that you may know. There's a confidence uh, to that. A a disciple is marked by that, a, a confidence. I know who I belong to. Second one, they're growing in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior. There's growth happening. Who's got that one? 2 Peter 1.8 says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jane hates when I use double negatives, like it's confusing, right? So let me just kind of put this in the positive. These, if these qualities are yours and increasing, they make you effective and fruitful. That's an evidence of, of a disciple. They're effective and fruitful. And uh, Mark. So this is Mark Larson. Okay? We're not related. He's not my son, but I would claim him in a minute. Yeah, so Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So when, when, let's put some faces on, and you guys can stay up here for a second. I have some faces on what disciples and disciple makers look. Um, I could have picked many, 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 but these three were all former summer staff who came back this last summer with new disciples because they are in the process of, of sharing their faith with others. Stephen Jones was a, a camper, Uh, summer staffer. Now he is working on the salt plant in Cedar Falls. Um, Stephen and his wife um, in college ministry. Stephen came and one one of our speakers. Trent McNeil in the red hat in the very bottom left. Um, Trenton has been a youth pastor down in Des Moines. He's now in in Newton. Uh, And he came three weeks last summer. He brought with him an intern who he is pouring into and a bunch of kids that he's pouring into. And we just see that uh, flowing through. Melanie's on the left there. Melanie's from Pocahontas. Many of you probably know Melanie Nesbitt. Uh, Melanie's now a teacher at, at uh, Humboldt. How many have uh, yeah, connections there? Um, Melanie is just, uh, just as, as an opportunity to share her faith. And, and so we're not only seeing these disciples owning their faith, but they are becoming disciple makers. Um, and that, I, I think, is, is a essential to what we're talking about today. So thanks, guys. I, um, so proud of my team. Uh, we, uh, oh, John and Bree back. So John and Bree aren't here. Um, John has actually resigned. He's taken over his uh, dad's business up in Albert Lee uh, Construction. Um, and so they're up there. They bought a house. They're getting it prepped so that they can move into it. It's actually a house that has walls and a roof. And that's all. It was a project started several years ago by somebody else that was building a dream house and stopped. So John's going to finish it. Um, but uh, they're up there today. Um, by the way, next week, uh, if you want to come and say goodbye to John and Bree back next Sunday afternoon, uh, 27th, right? There's going to be an open house at camp in, in Harvest Hall uh, to honor them. There's a poster in the back. If you want more information, ask, ask one of us, but that'll be a sweet time. So what does a disciple look like now? How? how do, what's the method look like? Um, and I have a couple passages of scripture I want to look at. First, the Lord's Prayer. When we look at the Lord's Prayer, the making of disciples is... So if I were God, I probably would have come up with a better plan. 
Because in God's plan, he relies on people like me and you to accomplish the king, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. I would have had a better plan, I think. Um, but that's his plan. We, we see the evidence in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the ones on earth to accomplish this are you and me. Second one is a great commission. We're very familiar with that. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. In that context, a lot of times we think about go and make disciples means I'm going to go, or that I have to go and make disciples. But the actual Greek word that's used here, a better interpretation of it is as you go. You're, you're mouthing those words. As you go. So it's not like I, boy, I'd love to make disciples, but, you know, I'm here. And in order to make disciples, I have to go. But instead, the, the context here clearly is as you're living your life, as you're interacting with people, as you're doing what you normally do, make disciples. You're already there, wherever go was going to take you. Now, sometimes go might mean Cedar Rapids, and sometimes go might be the Philippines. God is calling people to all over. When, when Jane Hockmuth was a camper at Twin Lakes Bible Camp in junior high, she said, um, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll serve you wherever you want me to serve, but I'm committing to serve you. She was thinking Africa. And God was like, <laughs> you're already there. The last, uh, or not the last, but the, but the next how is really Jesus' model. When we think about the disciple maker that we are going to emulate, why wouldn't we look to the best disciple maker? But we have to be realistic. Um, what do you have to work with? Right? You know, there was, I read someplace, uh, if, if uh, there was an employment agency that was going to kind of rate these 12, it might sound something like this. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to an offensive temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. James and John place personal interest above company loyalty and their mama's boys. <laughs> Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would likely undermine morale. And we feel it's best that you know that uh, Matthew has been blacklisted by the Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, definitely leanings towards the radical. But there is one candidate that shows great potential, a man of ability and resourcefulness, keen business mind, highly motivated, ambitious, responsible. Judas is your man. And we think about the disciples and the great disciple maker, and as he's working with this ragtag bunch, they're very slow learners. You know, they, 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 they never understood the miracle as it was happening. They were always asking for clarification of the parable. What, are they, what, are they, what do you mean by leaven? You know? The fish thing, was he, was he, was he hungry? Was it, you know, they never seemed to get it. You know, deny Christ when he's arrested. Doubt his resurrection. That's what we're dealing with here. 
slow learners. The disciples, however, did end well in other uh, historical uh, information that we, we learn about what these disciples accomplished and how they died. James martyred in the streets of Jerusalem. Matthew gave up financial security. He was slain with a sword. Philip, born in the little city of Bethsaida, which means house of fisher, house of hunter. He became a hunter and a fisher of men. Bartholomew was skinned alive. Andrew took the gospel to Russia and was crucified in Greece. Thomas, often criticized for his doubts, left no doubt to his loyalty. He carried the gospel to East India and was run through with a lance. Thaddeus was shot to death. Simon was crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. John died after writing the Gospel of John, three epistles, and Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. Even with Jesus, the great disciple-maker, you saw some struggle in the disciple-making process. It wasn't easy because he was working with people. And I think sometimes we have to have a realistic understanding and expectation of what it looks like to, to be a discipler and to, and to walk alongside. In fact, I think Jesus' model is kind of like if we think in terms of a relay race, and many of you have been in a relay, maybe it was a long time ago, but you have the baton, and as you're running that race, you hand the baton to the next guy, and the next guy runs his leg of the race, and you go, oh, glad that's over. But that's not Jesus' model at all. In fact, Jesus' model is, here's the gospel, I'm giving it to you, and running with you, because, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. Jesus' model is perseverance. Jesus' model is marathon. Jesus' model is run alongside. Living life together. So how are you going to be a disciple maker? What does that look like? That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good picture. The last one, uh, the Pareto principle. Maybe some of you have heard uh, 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 Italian economist looking at the land ownership in Italy and saying, man, it seems like most of the land is owned by a few of the people. And he came up with the 80-20 rule. And it applies to, to a lot of different things. 80% um, of complaints come from 20% of customers. 80% of, of, of uh, effects by 20% of causes. 20% of Christ followers are likely going to be the ones that accomplish 80% of disciple-making around the world. That's, that's kind of that principle. And, and another way to, to phrase that, the Pareto principle, or the 20%, is called the law of the vital few. The law of the vital few. I don't think God is being unrealistic in, in his expectation of us to be disciple makers. I think he's very intentional. He's very purposeful. There's a plan. And he knows it can be accomplished with what he has to work with, which is ragtag bunch of whatever we are and wherever we've been. Is there, an, is there a need in the world today for disciple makers? There's 7.7 billion people. There's a, a, a time clock on the internet where you can, uh, every, you know, it's live. It's going, uh, there's how many people are being born today, how many people died today, how many this year, how many um, born and died. And, and so that's like yesterday afternoon, 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet. 
2.2 billion are Christians. What kind of number do we want to put on that realistically as Christ followers out of the 2.2? But let's just say half. That's probably generous. I don't, you know. So we have about a billion Christ followers to reach 7.7 billion people in the world. Statistically, Pew Research just did a study looking at kind of trends over the last decades and looking forward. And by 2050, it's expected that Islam will be will reach the same as Christians as far as population in the world. Primarily because Islam is is growing faster because Islam is the primary religion in parts of the world where they're having population growth. They're having more babies. And, and, and so the expectation is um, Islam is likely to grow 70, 73%, while Christianity will likely grow 23% over the next several decades. So we're seeing a rise of There's no question we're seeing a rise of Islam. But what we're also seeing is an amazing response to the gospel in, this, in areas that are predominantly Islamic. You know, we're seeing places where, where the gospel is not even allowed, the Bible isn't even allowed, missionaries aren't even allowed, and the church is growing because it's true, because it's real, because the God that created the universe and that created you and me wants a relationship with every single person in his creation. And he's given us an opportunity to be part of his plan to reach the world with that great news, to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in the faith. Remember that commercial, well, dating myself slightly. Uh, remember that commercial where you have, uh, I think it was for hairspray, which, <laughs> but, but, but it's like, um, and, and she told someone and they told someone and so on and so on and so on. And you have that graphic image of two and then four and then eight and then 16. Jordan liked the penny, I'd like a penny doubled. You know, it's like penny doubled every day, doesn't amount to much early on, but gradually it's an incredible, incredible army of disciples who are making disciples. That's the plan. It's a good plan. Our, we talk about you know, China and, and Islamic areas where the gospel is being preached and people are responding. Twin Lakes Bible Camp last summer had 77 kids say that they professed Christ out of 381 or 400-ish. Um, it's an incredible, staggering number per, percentage-wise. I mean, think about it, as a church, as a pastor of a church, you're like, 77 people came to Christ last in a year? I mean, it's just a staggering number. It doesn't matter how big your camp is or how big your church is. Why is that happening? Because, because they're ready, because the, 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 because the harvest is ripe. And, when you, and you have an opportunity at camp to just surround them, take away their phones, and surround them with godly influences and pour into them with great Bible teaching and exciting worship and, and sitting around a campfire and processing stuff at cabin devotions at night. And, and they start saying, well, I know these stories. Jordan shared about one of the kids in, in his, in his uh, uh, small group. It's like, I knew all the stories, but finally it's making sense. And, and it's, it's clicking. And now you're saying, are you ready to respond and say, I'm a sinner and ask for forgiveness? Jesus, come into my life. Change me forever. Transform. Do what you want to do. You ready for that? Yes, I'm ready for that. It's awesome. It's powerful. The harvest is plentiful. And the harvest is ripe. 
And most Christians, what's the, the third point there is, um, click, harvest upon a rhetorical question. Is it ripe? Rhetorical question. <laughs> Are most Christians going to be passive and wait for somebody else to do it, the job? Don't say yes. So you can say yes to the first two, but please don't say yes to that one. We don't know. I don't want that to be the case. Pareto principle would say, yeah, that's the case. That's, what's, that's probably what's going to happen. Most people are going to be passive. Most Christ followers, even, even committed Christ followers, even people at Faith Community Church, most are going to let it go in one ear and out the other and never change behavior. So what I'm calling you to do is, is, and this is a great little set because it's, it's this living room conversation. Um, what I'm inviting you to do, kind of in our, in our very casual, because it's me too, it's not just you. Um, are you going to be willing to say, God, if there's somebody around me that I'm like living life around and, and they really either don't know Jesus or they're they're so young in their faith, I probably could invest a little bit in them. Are you willing to allow God to bring that name to your mind? Are you willing to do something about it? And maybe on the flip side, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I had nothing to offer anybody. I don't understand most of the Bible. I can't even, you say, look, look up Luke 10.2, and I'm like, where's Luke? You know, maybe, maybe that's your state. Fine, great. Maybe you need to... Say, I've been watching that other person and, and I'm so impressed with their spiritual walk. And maybe you just need to say, hey, can I hang around with you? I need, I need somebody to kind of, kind of help me grow. You know, Jesus spent three years and he's the perfect disciple maker. Don't expect this to be like, okay, by next Sunday, I'm going to, I got it. You know, I talked to them about Jesus, and they got it, and off they went. It's not that easy. We have a sin nature fighting against this. We have an enemy that doesn't want to see people reached. But we can do something. I had a fundraising coach for a year, and, and uh, one of the standout things that she would, she would preach, it's kind of like the bullet point. You know, you take all these notes, and you're like, okay, underline, underline, underline. And that's, and that's these two words, avoid zeros. Don't, don't call in next week and say, well, I really didn't do the things that we talked about. Avoid zeros. Do something. Don't shoot for perfect. Don't shoot for, you know, uh, Billy Graham. Shoot, but do something. Be courageous enough to say, God, if there's, lay somebody on my heart that either can mentor and disciple me or that I can mentor and disciple. Don't take on 12. I mean, Jesus, really, that's, he's Jesus. 12 is a lot. One or two, three maybe. Man, that could be incredible. Think about the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren if you do something, if you avoid a zero. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us to look at your word, to look at your model and example. Um, we're, we're willing to go against the flow. We're willing to go against the current. We're willing to say, um, you are Lord of all. You are Lord of my life. And I will proclaim 
your good works and your good news and your love for humanity. I will proclaim that to everybody that comes across. They should see it the way I live my life. They should hear it when I open my mouth. Father, just in the next like 15 seconds, if there's somebody that we need to be specifically reaching out to, either to mentor us or that we can pour into from a discipleship, from a spiritual growth standpoint, bring that name to our minds. Maybe it's a kid or a grandkid or somebody here at the church or a family member or a neighbor or the grocery store or the gas station attendant, whatever. Who is it? Give us the courage to avoid zeros and do something with what you've laid on our heart. It's in your name.